It is a Wednesday, April the 3rd. Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL podcast. My name is Will Anderson. And my name is Charlie Clawson. And Will, isn't it, isn't it amazing how quickly things can turn around? Oh, uh, yeah. Let's stop the season now. Yeah. Fourth and fifth on the ladder. We'd both take that. We're if we can done. lock it in and walk away, we'll both take fourth and fifth. I mean, it's funny. I remember you talking about when the Bulldogs won the grand final, you said you realized afterwards that you could not consume enough media. There were not enough articles and podcasts and analysis of the game. I've been like that after two wins against two ordinary sides. Like I have read everything. I have soaked up everything. It's like, I'm back. I feel it. I feel it again. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been treating this season much like I've been treating Avengers Endgame, which Mm. is I can't have enough information going into it. (laughs) You know, it might be disappointing in the end, but I'm going to enjoy the anticipation of it nevertheless. So it's fair to say that I've I've read a lot about Libba this week. There's been a lot of in-depth profiles around Libba this week, and I've really set aside some time in my busy schedule to just really enjoy uh, reading about Libba. Did any of those in-depth articles talk about his tattoos? Was there any more info? Yes, all of them. Oh, really? Yes, all of them. Okay, so what what can you tell me? Well, I mean, really only the information that we've ascertained already ourselves. (laughs) They didn't go kind of deeper into it than us. He has a a tattoo of Homer Simpson and he has a tattoo. Oh, no, I did find out something else. He has a Hunter S. Thompson tattoo. Oh. Yeah, he has the famous Hunter S. Thompson line, uh, when the going gets weird, the weird go pro on him as well. Interesting. I mean, he's a renaissance man, isn't he? (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, I guess what we get from that is that you don't want to let him go to Las Vegas on an end-of-season trip because we all know what happened when Hunter S. Thompson went to Las Vegas and it's not really... It's more your West Coast Eagles-style Vegas trip, your Hunter S. Thompson trip, than your Bulldogs, hopefully. Oh, don't get me wrong. When I say he's a Renaissance man, there's a nightclub called Renaissance. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, yeah. He's got a drink card at Renaissance. He's a yeah. member of Renaissance. He's got a Renaissance stamp tattooed on him. What was your highlight of the round besides the Bulldogs win? Well, I mean, my highlight of the round was the Bulldogs win. Can I talk you through uh, where I was in my life? So it was Sunday. So first week of the comedy festival. And uh, first week of the comedy festival is a bit like you started the AFL season in that the first two nights are preview nights. So that's my JLT. You know, Mm -hmm. all your jokes are like your, uh, all your jokes are sort of on paper. They all look good. They're all your first. Are they your first or third year players? Yeah, exactly. You're certainly trying a lot of new ones just to yeah. see what the potential is, seeing if yeah. they'll get up for round one. And then my Friday night, uh, we had uh, round one Friday night football. Uh, fair to say, some of the young kids did not stand up to the pressure of full-paying Friday night football. Yeah, that, uh, don't have, so, they don't have the mature joke bodies yet. Yeah, it's fair to say that some of them uh, look good on the training track, but we're not ready for the big game for Friday night lights. <laughs> Um, so Saturday, uh, was a really fun show. And then, uh, Sunday, um, you know, it's your quiet night Sunday normally, you know, a uh, few less people in on a Sunday night. I was wondering how the weekend would go. And, uh, my show was at six o'clock, which meant I could not make it to the, uh, MCG for the Bulldogs game. Mm. Um, cause the game finished at, uh, three to six. So, 
Um, to give you an insight into how my day went, I watched the first half of it from home on the couch. And uh, first quarter, not great for the Bulldogs. Second quarter, fantastic. We dominated the second quarter, but only managed to get three points back in front. It was one of those things where you went into halftime and you were like, oh, did we, did we have all the play and not put it on the scoreboard? How are we going to go? All right. I watched the uh, third quarter on the way in in the car. So I'm in the Uber. I've got the headphones on. I'm watching the... I'm watching it on my phone and then Hawthorne just bash us up and dominate. And I'm like, oh, Fuck great. It. Now I'm going to have to do my bloody show and I'm all depressed and fucking Hawthorne and they're good again and bloody Tom Scully. He was meant to be dead. He died last year and now he's playing against us. This is fucking bullshit. Bloody Hawthorne fucking. Free kick Hawthorne. Fucking Alistair Clarkson. And, oh, I'm Alistair Clarkson. I'm the best coach of all time. I write all my players songs for their birthdays. Shut the fuck up, Alistair Clarkson. I'm so angry. I'm muttering. I'm hating all my friends who barrack. I'm like bloody Dilrook and bloody Limo and like Michael bloody Chamberlain. I'm like literally muttering to myself like a crazy person. This has ruined my show. So I decide that I can't watch the final quarter. I'm just like, if I go on stage after watching a depressing final quarter, I'm going to go on and it's going to be like a Q&A with Nick Cave. You know, it's going it's, it's to be very dark, depressing stories. I'm not going to be able to entertain people. So I turn off my phone. I'm like, you know what? I'll listen to some music. I'll get fired up for the gig. And then I get a message from you, Charlie. And all it says is, you watching this? <laughs> Question mark. And I'm like, time to turn the phone back on. <laughs> now, <laughs> at that stage, we'd managed to get, we were 30 points down at three quarter time and we've managed to get within two goals. So we're getting a bit of a run on, but there's still plenty of work to be done. And then for the next 20 minutes, I just sat there and watched us kick eight goals in a row, mow over the top of Hawthorne, just look so absolutely, absolutely brilliant. It was, I walked on stage. I've never felt better walking on stage for a gig. In fact, if I were rich enough uh, and I needed a, like a, you know, a, a pre-show rider, it would essentially be two beers and the Bulldogs to win a thriller against Hawthorne three <laughs> minutes before I went on stage. That's my ideal scenario to do a great show. So walked out on stage, fired up by the Bulldogs. There was two Bulldogs... Uh, people who had rushed from the MCG. <laughs> so essentially they've left the game, they've rushed across and as I'm walking on stage, they're coming in late. They're sitting in the front row in their Bulldogs gear. And so I had to ask them, Charlie. I had to say, so you've obviously booked in the game and this show knowing that the game could go either way. Did you book in this show as like a you think you thought you'd be celebrating our Bulldogs win or did you book in this show because you thought you'd be depressed after playing Hawthorne and you wanted to be cheered up? And in typical Bulldog style, they both looked at me and thought, said, we thought we'd be depressed. <laughs> so we were all surprised by the mood that we were in, Charlie. And the cherry on top has to be the fact that the key moment in the game was James Sicily giving away two free kicks. Like that's just a little, a little just like cherry on top for the whole event, right? I mean, he's just one of those guys that the umpires are never going to give the benefit of the doubt. <clears throat> like, it's fair to say that perhaps at least one of the free kicks probably you know, was a very dicey free kick at the mm. very least. But the problem is that when you're James Sicily, they're always going to pay those ones because you're the villain. You've mm. got to know when you're the villain that you, you're not allowed to push the rules when you're the villain because people are going to take the opportunity uh, to use the rules against you. I mean, it is funny like to see Ben Stratton go up to him and try and calm him down. It's like... How many times have you had this conversation with him? 
Like, how many times do you have to let him know? And I agree, look, the free kick, the, the punch to the chest was a bit soft. But having said that, if you looked at every other game over the weekend, they were paying it. Like, it was definitely something that yeah. they were paying. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, it made it even sweeter. Didn't it? <laughs> like, it was <laughs> an undeserved goal. It was the goal. sweetest victory of all. There was just so much about it that was brilliant. <laughs> well, it's funny. It sounds like we had similar football experiences on the weekend because uh, I was due to go to some friends for a dinner party. And uh, at about half time, one of the friends texted me and she said, apologize. She's like, I'm really sorry. Um, I should have realized the Saints were playing. I should have scheduled dinner for an hour later, which I thought is kind of awful that I'm known as that much of a Saints tragic that my friends think that do we have to schedule events around Charlie's viewing of Saints games? So first half, pretty brilliant. We're dominant team. And then it gets to the third quarter and the bombers start coming back. And I just... Get the PTSD starts rushing in. I'm like, fuck it, fuck it. We were leading by 40, almost 40 points at one stage. Now it's eight points. So I left my place at three-quarter time, and I turned my phone off, arrived at my friend's place, and they even had the game playing on their TV to kind of like, you know, welcome me. And I said, just turn it off. Like, I'm just going to be too stressed out, and I don't want to watch the Saints lose another game. And so they turned the TV off, and we had a really lovely dinner. And then I thought, well, I'm just going to go sneak to the bathroom and check my phone and just see what the damage was. Like, how much were we overrun by? And then went to the bathroom, checked my phone, and then went straight back out and said, like, do you guys mind if I just go into the kitchen and just watch the highlights for the next five minutes? It's one of those things, like, you were like the friend who has the secret drug habit who keeps excusing themselves to go to the bathroom and keeps coming back with a sniff, except it's you just watching the AFL app on your phone. I mean, it is funny now because... The All the talk pre-game was like, Essendon will bounce back, Essendon will smash. And it's quickly how that has now turned to, well, Essendon is shit anyway. St Kilda have beaten no one. I'm like, well, no, 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 no. I was so desperate to consume media about that game. I even went back and listened to podcasts from last week to the previews where everyone talked about how much the Bombers were going to smash the Saints just to confirm that I hadn't gone crazy, that suddenly the the Bombers went from being a potential top four team to being shit overnight just because we beat them. I don't think so. It doesn't work like that. No, but the problem is, Charlie, that by being beaten by the Saints, it qualifies in everybody's mind that they're shit. Yes. But that's actually (laughs) the determining factor, that they lost to St Kilda and everyone's like, ah, they must be shit. But this is the thing about like, no one, we say this a lot on this show, but no one knows anything about football. The fact that we only beat Gold Coast by one point last week was further confirmation that we're shit. Then Gold Coast get up and beat Frio. The next week, Frio, who smashed North Melbourne at home the week before. And it's again that thing of we're at that point of the season where some teams are 2-0, some teams are 0-2, some are 1-1, and and everyone's like, well, the season's over for these guys. You know, it's all right. And it's like, stop it. Stop it, you fucking nerds. I don't want to see any more graphs about teams that have not made the finals from 0-2 since 1991. Just forget about it, all right? It's a new game, two, new season. Two, two weeks ago, Essendon were going to make the top four. And yeah. uh, then two weeks later, James Hurd's going back to coach. 100%. That's how quick we are in footy. Last week, Hawthorne had, were going to win another flag. Like, they were, they were, back, yep. they were back, in, back in... They were back being a good team. And it's just like, everyone just take a chill pill. Things have to just sort themselves out. Melbourne's another one. Like, everyone's freaking out about Melbourne. They had a slow start to the season, a lot of injuries. I think let's just wait till round 10. Then we'll get a better idea of where everyone's at. 
No, let's not. Let's not be calm at all. Let's have massive overreactions to every moment in the season because that's what it's really about. Um, speaking of, that was my other highlight of the weekend. Oh, speaking of... Uh, <laughs> you are so mean this year when it comes to me. No part of you was like, oh, poor Melbourne supporters. Poor Titus O'Reilly. Oh, no, Charlie. Like, for me, a man who went on the record that I thought that Melbourne were going to be disappointing again and uh, went on the record that Geelong are going to win the premiership. This was almost my... Perfect combo. Yeah, I was right. seeing my team that I thought I was being a bit outrageous to pick for the premiership, looking like a premiership team, and then seeing Melbourne be very disappointing. I I got home from my show and I watched the last half of that and like with real, like with real joy. You, you know what was funny is I uh, I also watched a bit of that game, and then I watched AFL three hundred and sixty on Monday night to see what Chris Scott would have to say about it because you know Chris Scott does coaches night. It took me five minutes before I realized I was actually watching Brad Scott, that obviously this year they've got Brad in instead of Chris. But it was so weird. Like, I was like, fuck, that's a really light shade of blue that he's wearing on that. His Geelong polo shirt is a really light shade of blue. I'm like, oh, that's not Chris Scott. That's Brad Scott. Yeah, yeah they've got Brad Scott and Matthew Richardson instead of uh, Chris Scott and Alan Richardson. <laughs> well, did you see they, they had bloody Ken Hinckley on a video screen as the other yeah. coach? It was like they, they did the two-pack 3D hologram. Well, that's what I'd like to see them actually do. I don't want to see them on the video screen, but I'm happy if down at Fox Footy, down at AFL 360, if one night they just rock in and there's like a hologram Ken Hinckley on the panel. Well, it's weird because the way Jared Waitley talked it up at the start of the show, he was like, we're going to do something new because Ken Hinckley is going to be uh, crossing from Adelaide, but wait till you see this. It's going to be state-of-the-art and, you know, Robbo, you're going to freak out. And I was expecting it to be two back but essentially they just put a big tv screen in the seat where the coach normally sits with ken Hinckley on it, it wasn't that special yeah it's not exactly uh revolutionary is it no. but, uh... <laughs> for someone like robbo though maybe it is yeah yeah that's right yeah jared wasn't managing our expectations as viewers he was managing robbo's expectations uh aflw grand final on the weekend fifty-three thousand adelaide oval uh, we had the pleasure of talking to Erin Phillips this morning on the radio, and she is, I mean, they. she told the story, uh, well, she was asked about the story, and she told the story that under 13 level in South Australia, she was considered probably the best under 13 footballer in the country, you know, and then obviously there was no pathway for her to keep playing football. Um, her dad, you know, a famous footballer, of course, won eight premierships, I believe, with Port Adelaide over in the Sandville, played at Collingwood, and... Um, she has a huge connection to football, but for her, after having a WNBA career, to come back in her 30s and win the best and fairest in the competition, both times she's managed to be uninjured. You know, she's won it both times. She's won best player in the grand final both times. Uh, she is one of the greatest athletes of all time. And to see, it felt like to me, Field of Dreams. <laughs> it felt like to me for the AFLW, if you build it, they will come. Yeah. Because I was watching the grand final and it was a brilliant game, but the crowd, like at, at the start, they were like, you know, we're hoping for 25, 30,000 and they were really wrapped with that idea. And then just during the day, the number just kept going up mm. and going up and they kept having to open different stands. And then by the end of it, for 53,000 people, to go and watch the AFLW Grand Final. It was a bigger crowd than any of the um, 
NRL home and away games got last season. And I know some people are like, well, you, it was no, it didn't cost to get in, mm. but it still costs you. You still have to like get a taxi yeah. or an Uber or park or get a babysitter or, you know, time out of your day. It's not like it's a free thing to do. I saw someone on Twitter, like, cause people complaining about, oh, it's free. Of course it's going to rock up. There is a shit ton of free events that happen every weekend that don't get 53,000 people attending them. Arts festivals, uh, they, music festivals. They don't festivals. get 50 people attending them. Yeah, exactly. We, we've done podcasts, live podcasts, where we can't yeah. even fill half a theatre. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was um, awesome. It was an amazing game. Like, it was a, you know, when you watched Adelaide and the way they play, the skill level that they have as a team, you think... Soon, all the AFLW teams are going to play at that school level. And then that is just going to be... That competition in five years' time, in ten years' time, is going to be such a amazingly compelling... Com- I mean, it already is. But you, the thing about it is that you can also see, you know, the amazing growth that it still has left in it. What I liked about it was the... It, I mean, at least watching from my TV at home, it, it had a different energy to what the men's grand final has or men's finals in general. There was something a bit more celebratory about it. I think everyone recognised the significance of the occasion and it, it was it felt much less uh, is partisan the word. Like it was more everyone is there to like honour these women and enjoy the football. It didn't feel as divided along club lines or anything like that. And obviously when Aaron Phillips did her knee, that like proved it more than anything. Yeah, I mean, to see all those other players go over and, you know, sort of hug her and recognise her contribution in the game. To me, that's, you can barrack for a team, you can be parochial, but it can still be in the spirit of the fact that we're playing a game. Yes. And that's what I like. I like the idea that, you know, all that stuff can be banter, you can love your side and you can hate the opposition, but with the knowledge that at the end of the day, that they're all playing the same game and they're all competitors in the same game. And I love that aspect of it. I mean, I think that does happen in, in men's Aussie rules as well. Like when someone does a knee or when someone gets carted off, there generally is a sign of respect. I don't think I've ever been at a game where someone yeah. doesn't get that kind of like, you know, standing ovation or round of applause as they come off. I mean, that said, you know, there was that instance when uh, Rewalt got injured against Brisbane and then the <laughs> Brisbane guys basically that just tried to injure him more. <laughs> Until he cried. <laughs> there was that bit where they were like, hey, let's yeah, attack him until he right. cries. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of the Swans? Pretty bad loss at home. Things are looking a little dire, right? I didn't think that they played that badly, the Swans. I watched that game. And, yeah, um, it, it's, it's just, it's more, if you're, an, if you're a team that has like an interstate advantage, like a home ground like that, and you can't, turn that into like a, a winning advantage, then I think suddenly you're on the back foot because you're traveling half the other time. And when you're at home, there's no guarantee you're going to win. And they've, it feels, what did they lose? Seven out of eight games there last year. I just, I don't know. I think it's a big concern. Yeah, but they still managed to be thereabouts last year as well. So Sydney, mm. look, I reckon Sydney probably won't make the eight, but I still think they're probably going to be eight shapers at the very least. And you do feel like they are one of those teams that, you know, in a couple of games, they're going to be firing a little bit more than they. I mean, Buddy was, you know, looked much better. Um, you know, uh, Kennedy was, uh, you know, really, really good again. So some of their star players started to, you know, warm up into it, I thought. Sorry, I just lost you for a second there. But, uh, oh, that's right. Some of their star players played well. I believe that's what she yeah. said. 
Yes. <laughs> to sum up, Charlie, because you lost me there for a second on the Skype line, some of their good players played well. Mm, that was my observation. <laughs> Welcome to two guys, one cup. And what about the Tigers? Do you fear for the Tigers now? They've lost uh, key posts at either end with Rance and Revolt now out for a period. Oh, I mean, you know, if they knew that Revolt was going to do this sort of injury, they'd probably have, you know, bought themselves a ready-made replacement for him that they can... Oh, they did. I don't feel too sorry for them. That's like somebody who's crashed their Porsche when they have a, you know, Lamborghini Ferrari. next to the Porsche. In the, yeah, it's like, fine. I'll just drive the Lambo for a while while they're repairing the Porsche. Like, Rance is a big loss. Rance is a write-off, you know what I mean? Yeah. But Rewalt's going to be back in a few weeks. They'll be fine. So you don't think they need to panic because one-on-one statistics say that you can only make the top eight, but you can't make the top four? <laughs> um, like, I mean, it's hard to know with Richmond, isn't it? It's hard to know where they're at. Dusty's obviously not playing, you know, as well as he, he should be. What's your vibe on Richmond? Um, look, I think they've got a lot of depth. I I think they'll be thereabouts. I mean, Alex Rance is a massive loss. I don't really know enough about, you know, who they've got to replace him. But I reckon they're too good a team and they've still got too many good players. I mean, that's the other thing about being too early to call anything. People are all over Dusty after two games. Like, it is crazy Like how many people are just saying, well, his number's are down. Yeah, but he's still exceptional. Like, his numbers are down by standards set by himself. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, but he, you are a victim of your own standards and he's set that high level. But mm. you're right. It's only been a couple of games, hasn't it? You, you, with someone like Dustin Martin, he's he's doing fine. I think, um, too, well, for, for the Tigers, though, I mean, it, I always wonder about, and you would know with the Bulldogs, it's that question of hunger. Like once you've won a flag and, you know, they did that with everything going right for them, kind of like the Bulldogs as well. And then last year, they should have won another one, but then had that horrible preliminary final loss against the Pies. Now, this year, started with a couple of hiccups. So it just sort of makes, you know, if your motivation was kind of waning anyway because you'd sort of had a big meal, now it's like, well, it's going to be even harder to get back to the table for, that, for the next bite of the meal. Or it could be the opposite, you know? It could be one of those things where they probably lost it last year because they were cruising along so well that they didn't really expect that another team would come and get them. Mm. And... Maybe it's one of those things where they have to reshape it a bit. You know, they'll learn a little bit about having those star players out. Some of those, yeah, they'll get a little bit more team balance together. And maybe that hunger comes from having a few of those newer players in and them having the opportunity to step up into those roles. So you, you just don't, you can't tell this yeah. early on. You, you'd imagine that Richmond are definitely going to make the eight. And if Richmond make the eight, then they're a chance at, yeah, rolling through the final. So yeah, especially on the MCG. Uh, but Collingwood look good look really good i mean jordan to go i'm unbelievable yeah like when north melbourne offered him a million dollars a year you feel like that was actually unders now yeah 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 like when there was st kilda took uh patty mccartan at number one in the draft and he went number five (laughs) you feel like that was a good decision (laughs) uh yeah you can see why collingwood was so uh quick to defend him when he had some of his troubles weren't you yeah. He's a classic Collingwood player. He's like one of those, like, gets in himself in a little bit of trouble off the field, plays like he's playing lunchtime school footy still, yeah. and just absolutely dominates. Um, we should talk about Liam Pickin as well, announced his retirement yesterday. Yeah. Well, I mean, one of the great all-time uh, final series for a start. 2016, he was the Bulldogs player of the finals, and, yeah, being the player of the finals in a premiership year, um, the other day, they did a little uh, package of just his highlights 
from 2016 from the finals and it's like a minute of like any player would be happy with they them being your career highlights now admittedly he is a guy who spent the first part of his career as a dower tagger so Mm. maybe he felt like i'm getting towards the end of my career i better get some highlights together for my highlights (laughs) package but we wouldn't have won 2016 without you know his finals run and how well he played and um yeah reliving that was amazing obviously you know he's 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 lost to the game through concussion, and he's still got some lingering issues around his concussion. So that's a pretty serious issue, and I'm glad that, um, as sad as it is that he finishes on 198 games, he will forever be a legend of the Bulldogs. You know, a guy who came off the rookie list, came from Williamstown, fought his way through, started as a, a as a tagger, a scrapper, and turned into like a brilliant sort of half forward and and premiership hero. So. Um, he's had an amazing career, and uh, I just wish him all the best of luck. It's funny. It's almost like if you could distill everything, every quality that you think of when you think of the Bulldogs, it's Liam Picken. Like that idea yeah. that he was just that scrappy underdog fighter who had enough sort of flashes of brilliance like the Bulldogs have had over their history with players that you're like, oh, yeah, it makes perfect sense. He epitomizes what people think of when they think of the Bulldogs. But it's sad. Like, I mean, this concussion thing um, – it's really, it, it makes you wonder like where we're going ahead. I know, I know that they still don't know a lot about concussion, but more and more players um, like Kobe Stevens from the Saints had to retire last year. What they're going to be able to do to prevent this happening in the future. Like I know they're trying to take out things like in a head high bumps, but a lot of these injuries are accidental. Yeah, look, part of it is just getting everybody to treat it seriously mm. because it's not like concussion is just an AFL level issue either. Like, you no. know, you know, playing junior footy, we all know, you know, you get a, sometimes, you know, you'd end up with a concussion because it's the nature of the game. So they've got to fix it, you know, sort of top down and, you know, sort of bottom up. It's got to be fixed at every level of it. And part of that is just recognizing that it's a really serious thing. I think mm. like in the old days, it was, well, I mean, you know, what's the big John Kennedy, you know, like John Kennedy's line was that, you know, injuries above the shoulders don't count. <laughs> You know, in the old days as footballers, basically you're expected to like get knocked out and then just like run out again because it was like you won't need your brain. You're a footballer. You'll be countrying. You'll be coaching country football, or you'll have a car dealership. You won't need your brain. Get back out there. And they used to cheat their preseason concussion tests. Like Das was telling me that uh, often at the Bulldogs the worry would be that many of the players failed the preseason concussion tests. So when they're meant to be getting your baseline, <laughs> they would fail the concussion test without getting a concussion. Well, John O'Brown was talking on, on the couch and it was, they were talking about McCartan's latest concussion where he was went, went back with the fight of the ball and got hit by players coming the other way, got a hip to the side of their head. And John O'Brown said, you know, back when I was playing, they'd just send you back out there. <laughs> like it wasn't even a thing. Cause you know, they're, they're wondering if maybe McCartan is more susceptible to concussion, and he probably is, but it's also they are more cautious around concussion now. So probably a lot of the players we grew up loving were playing concussed the whole time. Oh, yeah, literally was, yeah, played 300 games, was never not concussed. What? Got concussed in his first game and continued to get concussed for the 300 subsequent games in his career. I mean, it would explain a lot of behavior from some players from the past, right? I mean, if I was, you know, Jason Ackermanis or Warwick Kappa, I'd be... Yeah, Putting Mark, Jacko, one of Mark Jacko Jackson. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, he's doing handstands in the goal square. What a larrikin. The guy doesn't know yeah. where he is. Well, I, thought, I thought I was standing up. <laughs> it was a cry for help. 
<laughs> you see Jacko putting his boots on his hands in the change room before a game. <laughs> like, do you understand? I'm suffering from a major brain disease. I have concussion. Why are you all laughing? Ah, uh, the Brisbane Lions. Roll on. My my second favourite team officially now. Uh, did the did the did the Kangas over? And it looked like the Kangaroos were in control at the start of the game, but they're just exciting. It's an exciting brand of football. Will I was cursing you? Why I was cursing you because you got me on board with Brisbane, and then I checked the score, and North were comfortably up, and I was like, "Fucking Charlie, I've <laughs> fallen for it. I've fallen for round one form." Yeah. And then uh, they just mowed home, and I was just like, "Yeah, I'm on board as well." Old uh, old Gil, Gil Gunderson has got that. <laughs> Got that team working well. Well, it's it, it, they feel like I don't I don't know how far they'll go. I feel like they could make finals. They don't feel like they're going to you know be top four just yet. But you can see across every line they have. This is what I think you need with those kind of like great teams. Is on each line you need to have at least one superstar, and it feels like they are at various stages of having a superstar on each line. Yeah, they they're a good side and. Mm. You know, and do you remember uh, two years two years ago we were like, I mean, we definitely wanted to shut the Gold Coast down, but we were saying maybe just end Queensland football. You and I two years ago called for the end of Queensland football. The prognosticators. Well, we, we didn't. We didn't realise that uh, yeah, Dennis Pagan, Chris Fagan, Gil Gunderson was going to go up there with his oh boy oh shucks, yeah. you know, approach and band band them all together. Yeah, he said that he's not using the f word around the club at the moment. Which F word? I'm not using the F word that I used last season around the club, which was you're fucked and yeah. you're fucked and this is fucked and my leg's fucked, this whole place is fucked. Uh, no, they look good. I uh, I think they're, they're, they're the kind of team, if they get a lot of that Sunday slot often, I think that'll be one worth tuning into because even you just know you're going to see some exciting football, the way they transition from the back line. They're a good team. Yeah, and like Rayner and all those sort of younger guns have all got a bit of attitude about them. Yeah, and they they have all that, like, if a good football team is like a great ensemble cast where you have, like, your hero and, you know, you have your comic relief and stuff, They, f- it feels like they have all those players. Like, Mitch Robinson yeah. is their, like, their, their battle axe, the guy you just sort of, like, throw in with a hard head. And Cam Rayner is, like... Um, you know, they're kind of young buck and, you know, uh, Hipwood is like their tall, gawky gazelle, you know, for, I mean, they've just got, they've just got everything being really well recruited. Uh, yeah, no, it's well cast. That's what yeah. you'd say. Yeah. If it was like a movie that was coming out and you saw the cast, you'd be like, oh, this looks promising. Yeah. This is really well cast. And then you got GWS over in WA who let me down. I got, talk about getting fooled by round one form. I saw what they did to Essendon and I was like, oh my God. These guys aren't going to lose a game for the year. And then they came up against real opposition. It's like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, it turns out that Essendon is so bad, they even lose this and kill to Charlie. So <laughs> they're not going to make finals. James Hurd's going to be coaching them next week. Did you see some of the low lights that they played again and again? Like the skill errors, the Carl, uh, uh, what's his name? Langford coming off the ground, you know, giving away a free kick and not manning the mark, just running off the bench. I mean, that was... That's not one of those great moments, is it, when you look back at the tape where you're just like, I've got to do my rotations. Sorry, I've just been attacked by a cat. <laughs> um, <laughs> Patrick Dangerfield? Cat, uh, my cat loves when I'm doing a podcast because there's so many chords involved. Right. Like, you know, so there's just so many things that she could rip out. So now she's <laughs> chewing on the computer, which is great. also pretty great. Yeah. 
She's an Essendon supporter. Doesn't want to hear us criticise Essendon. Uh, I don't think she is an Essendon supporter. I think she's got better sense than that. What, who do you barrack for? Probably the cats. Yeah. I mean, she's probably on brand, right? I've made the dogs barrack for the dogs, so the cat can barrack for the cats. Might win a premiership this year, mate. Do you think, I mean, Wush has come out and poured cold water on it, getting Hurdy back. Do you see James Hurd, do you see any club taking a punt on James Hurd? Maybe even in like a mentor role? I mean, yeah. I mean, Fremantle tried to have a go last year. Uh, you know, to be the opposition scout. And I can imagine another club doing it at some stage, but not Essendon. Mm. Like, he's never going to coach at Essendon again. Like, I mean, because the thing is, it's not like he left Essendon because of the ban. Remember, he coached them after the ban. They let him coach again. And it it didn't go very well. Mm. He's not going to go back there. That's just more about the fact that... I think that there is a theory that Warsfold might have been the great rebuilder the guy that they needed in that time when all the players were out and to bond mm. them together, but that maybe he's not the sort of coach you need with the, you know, the talented group of, uh, you know, people you have now to go forward. It's kind of weird too, because when you think about Wusher, like I can't separate Wusher the coach from my memories of Wusher the player. And when they used to run those AFL polls in the 90s, and it was like, who is, you know, the, who's, who's the most annoying niggling player like it was always Wusher. like that was his reputation was he's this in your face kind of like uh, arrogant cocky western australian footballer and as a coach he seems so meek like even <laughs> that sounds so superficial but even his glasses <laughs> like i'm like he looks like right. an accountant where's his firebrand where's this guy who you know was the captain of west coast when they won their first premiership he just seems i don't know the whole team seems to be lacking in spirit well, he's also a chemist, though, isn't he? In real life, a pharmacist. Right. Isn't that his, like, profession? Perfect. <laughs> so you can't... Well, you're perfect at Essendon. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, we really thought you were going to bring a different approach to the club. <laughs> but no, he's a pharmacist, I think, by trade. And you can't take that on-field aggression that he had at the West Coast Eagles into the pharmacy. I mean, you can't be up on, you know, you know preparing some medicines and some prescriptions for people and then just, like, pinching them in the back. You know, yeah. punching the other pharmacists in the head from behind as you're handing them a tiny bottle. Shit-talking them. Oh, got a heart condition, yeah. do you? <laughs> yeah, right, mate. Uh, no heart. That's <laughs> what I'm reading. No heart. Dodgy heart. Yeah, actually, I do have a dodgy heart. I need that prescription. I mean, it is one of those things, too, if you're a Melbourne supporter or an Essendon supporter. Like, you know, Saints have been shit for a while, and I can live with that because, you know, we've had players out and... Drafting hasn't been great, but when you look at the embarrassment of riches that those two clubs have and how they can't pull it together, it does make you go like, Ugh. Well, I think Essendon definitely, like, every season over the kind of off-season, they've recruited really well. Mm. And it feels like every season they've come in going, well, we've got all these great gun recruits over the off-season. We'll come in this year and it's going to be great. But it just hasn't, they just haven't managed to do that yet. Yeah. Hey, is it uh, too early in the season to go to the mailbag? No, no, no. I mean, look, I've got to uh, be out of here in 15 minutes today. So let's do some yeah, mailbag. We let's know, do we, some... We've got a lot of mail. We don't have to go through all of it. But um, I just thought there's a few that we could probably get to. Um, uh, okay, so this is from Brad. He writes in and says, uh, Will says on the podcast that he likes Melbourne now. And if they don't score a goal... No, sorry, that's the wrong. <laughs> that was from last year. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that was, that was come finals. Yeah, you don't year. like him anymore. I'm back off again. <laughs> Uh, okay, so Brad says, so happy to have you guys uh, back on my podcast feed. Last year, 
you cleared up for my American ear that it wasn't just this side of the Pacific that thought Steel Sidebottom was a funny-sounding name. <laughs> now, I don't know why that would be regionally specific. Steel Sidebottom will be funny anywhere, right? Any English-speaking country, I imagine that's a funny I name. I mean, I would have thought that, like, bottom is a pretty universal, side is universal, and steel is universal. So Steel Sidebottom, I yeah. mean, come on. Uh, he says, now I need your help again. There was a new kid for Port Adelaide called Butters. To me, that sounds like either the character on a kid's show that keeps pigeons <laughs> or a slightly inappropriate sad clown at a birthday party that smells of cigarettes and can only make balloon snakes. So, is Butters a funny name down under or are there a lot of distinguished dairy-based surnames? Also, he played uh, really well in the first round, but if my name was the same as a squishy substance, I wouldn't go for the Lloyd Christmas haircut. <laughs> Thanks for connecting me to the culture <laughs> of the best game in the world. Thank you, Brad, from America. And he's uh, touched on one of our favourite topics on this show, a player's haircut. So Butters from Port yeah. Adelaide. Is it a funny name, Will? Uh, well, I'm a dairy farmer's son, so I don't think Butters is a funny name. Um, uh, I, I'd like – it's good for headlines. That's what I would say. You know, Butters up, yep. that sort of thing. It's good for wordplay, I would have thought. Um, I would have thought if um, – if you know, come grand final, if they're up for the grand final, it's in between Butters and another player, uh, and the other player gets picked. The headline, I can't believe it's not Butters, <laughs> would be, you know, I mean, there's a few there as your newspaper sub editor that you'd be pretty happy with. All right, and you know, touching on last week's uh, discussion around nicknames, do you reckon the players are calling him Margarine? Oh, Marge, Marge, uh, Marge Simpson, Homer, Homer, Homer. his nickname. <laughs> yeah, that's Homer. right. Why? Well, Homer Simpson's married to Marge Simpson. Marge is short for Margarine, and his name is Butters. And you'd be like, that's how you do a nickname. <laughs> yeah. Sheets Sheridan. Work it out. <laughs> his nickname's Libba, because Libba has a tattoo of Homer Simpson, yeah. and Homer Simpson's married to Marge. I mean, it is confusing when we play the Bulldogs, but apart from that... <laughs> um. Guys, this is from uh, Paul. Guys, I was thinking about footy nicknames, and the better ones are typically even more removed from the obvious. For example, Sheridan should be called Bedtime. Some of the others I have found. A player called Harvey Norman. Why do you think they call a player Harvey Norman, Will? Uh, Harvey Norman because um, go Harvey, go Harvey Norman, Greg Norman, Harvey Warbanger. No, I don't know. Harvey Norman because the player has no interest. Mm. Okay. (laughs) You don't like that? Okay. Why would a a player be called Lantern? Lantern. Uh, Lantern because uh, he shines brightly then burns out quickly. He's dim and he needs to be carried. Mm, Again. (laughs) These a lot of lot of interpretation on this. Justin Westhoff, his nickname is Humphrey because he doesn't talk much. What about, you know, to, like, I oh know, like Toby Green could be called Lantern because it'd be like Toby Green, Green Lantern, Green Lantern. Lantern. Well, no, you'd call Toby Green Ryan because Toby Green, Green Lantern, Ryan Reynolds, Ryan. You need yeah, that extra. Point. You need that extra step. Uh, so Paul continues that uh, Justin Westhoff is called Humphrey because he doesn't talk much. You still need to talk more about him. He's a legend and very much a quiet achiever, literally and figuratively. And I think he played his two hundred fiftieth last week. Um, someone yes, at- and and he has just been dominating this season again so far. The Hoff, I got to say, someone at the Kangaroos lost his keys on day one and became known as Car Keys. <laughs> 
which is not that imaginative. And his brother was drafted the next year, and his nickname became Spare Keys. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty good, though. Like, it's it's a bit too obvious for car keys, but I love the one that gets passed down to Spare Keys. <laughs> Joel Corey is called was called Smithy because he had no last name. Oh, yeah, okay. Joel Corey Smith. Love it. Okay, yeah. nice. And he finished off by saying, love the pod. Will, I'm coming to see your show tonight, which was last week. So, thanks, Paul. Okay, well, as long as it wasn't Friday, you would have enjoyed it. <laughs> uh, should we start looking ahead? Because we have to let you yes. off the Skype call soon. So let's look ahead to next week's games. Yeah, uh, yeah let's do that. And um, uh, you're in Melbourne this week because uh, yeah. we're doing a live version of our other podcast. And uh, we'll hopefully squeeze in our one when we're, in, we're actually in the same space. And on that point, if you want to go to tofop.com, you can check out what all our other podcasts are. Tofop, Philosophy... Uh, uh, Fofop, you can check them all out at tofop.com. All right, let's look at the first game. Yes. Thursday night uh, in Adelaide at the Adelaide Oval. Uh, Adelaide take on Geelong. Uh, this is going to be a really good game, Thursday night in Adelaide. Yeah. Um, I wrote the Crows off after round one, and then I thought they were quite impressive. With, uh, with Crouch back, they're just a completely different team, aren't they? Yeah. Um. And Tex feels I, like he's not quite at 100% yet. So another game, he'll be better. At home, Friday, uh, Thursday night, whew, uh, I feel like, I mean, this is the thing. Is I, I'm going to tip with my heart and say Adelaide. Five-day break for Geelong, which makes it probably difficult for them travelling as well. Mm. Uh, the Patrick Dangerfield Cup, of course. And yeah. Danger has been on fire, probably two best on grounds in the first two games would want to play very well in Adelaide and because I have tipped uh, Geelong for the Premiership Charlie I'm going to stick with the Cats yeah you should but on the Cats by the way we should talk about Tom Hawkins giving off that handball uh, to the first year player last week what did you think of that loved it disgraceful this is is the Cats this is the Premiership Cats that I love Charlie (laughs) they are this uh, is not the Cats I know can you imagine if that was Stevie Johnson like there is absolutely Stevie Johnson would have gestured as if he was going to give the handball, then faked him out and kicked the goal himself. <laughs> That's the cats I oh. remember. No, no, no. Yeah, if they were playing Sydney, where Stevie Johnson is the uh, is the coach, then he would have actually jumped the fence. <laughs> yeah, uh, run <laughs> run over and tried to get the handball himself. <laughs> uh, okay, so I'm picking the crows. You're picking the cats. What's the next game? Yep. Uh, Friday night, uh, Melbourne. The, oh, the, here we go. This is a very interesting season-defining game for one the of these seven, teams. 17th versus 18th, if you can believe it. Uh, Melbourne take on Essendon. Uh, at least one of the teams will have a win on the board after this match. Uh, unless uh, what happens, which is what I'm predicting, which is they play a tie. <laughs> and that is my lock of the week. Holy Melbourne shit. and Essendon to tie. I mean, there's got to be an extra level of credit given if you lock in a, a, a draw. So I don't know. Like, yeah. we'll have to work out some kind of prize or something if you actually pick this correctly. Um, I mean, it's unlikely. But is it possible that both teams could lose? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, look, I, 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 I haven't really seen. I haven't seen enough from Essendon to. 
you know, I'm going to pick Melbourne. Essendon have just been woeful the last two weeks. There's just no synergy with that team. I think Melbourne, if you look at their inside 50s against Geelong, they actually, didn't they have some bizarre statistic where it was like 20 inside 50s for like two points or something? Yeah, essentially Melbourne, if you only judge their midfield, played really well. Yeah. They've just had real trouble executing. Um, they're probably going to win that, you'd imagine, Melbourne, but I'm going for my tie. I've locked it in, Charlie. You can't unlock a lock in. Okay. Melbourne for the win for me. On Saturday, Carlton take on Sydney at Marvel Stadium. Mm. Mm. Two I want to teams. Interesting game. Melbourne were uh, – uh, Carlton were pretty good, I thought. Uh, they will brave, Will. They will brave. They will brave. Uh, I'm going to say Sydney. I'm going to say Sydney get the job done. Yeah, it's hard with the Cano being out. They were good, Carlton, but you feel like Sydney just won't lose three in a row. Unless yeah. it was, well, hang on. Was it two years ago that they didn't win a game for like the first 10 rounds and then came barnstorming yep. to the finals? Um, it was, yes. All right. I will pick Sydney as well. GWS taking on Richmond at uh, Giants Stadium. Uh, Charlie, this is a really interesting game. GWS home against a yeah, wobbly-ish Richmond. I'm going to say GWS win that one. Ah, oh, really? That's interesting. Because I feel like GWS tricked me. I saw round one form against Essendon and was like, oh, these guys are amazing. And then I thought they were a bit soft against West Coast. Back home, though. Nah, I think Richmond have a point to prove. I'm going to pick the Tigers in this game. Uh, Brisbane Lions taking on Port. Wow. Uh, at the Gabba, I imagine that is. Well, no, that G stands for Gill. <laughs> oh, at Gill Gunderson Stadium. Yeah, Gill Gunderson Stadium. Oh, geez. Oh, boy. Oh, no. Um, look. Uh, hack- they call it the MC... Gee, <laughs> how could I tip against my second favourite team? Uh, no, I'm going to pick Brisbane Lions, but I think this will be a good contest. Yeah, I agree. Port, Port playing pretty well at this stage, but I'm going to say Lions at home. Collingwood take on West Coast at the MCG in a grand final rematch. Revenge, Will. Revenge. I believe the rules are if the two grand yep. finalists meet and the loser beats the victor of the grand final, then it's all null and void. It's all the same. Yeah, in fact, I think the uh, West Coast Eagles mascot that bungeed off the stadium (laughs) last week to unfurl the flag has to come over and bungee off the top of the MCG and give the flag to the Collingwood mascot. (laughs) Um, I feel like Collingwood are rampaging at the moment. Mason Cox got off. I'm going to pick the Pies in this game. Yeah, pies, Pies for me too. Grand final revenge. Wouldn't it be amazing though if they lost? That would be a that would be an early season story that would be brilliant. Yeah, if they lost in exactly the same way, dodgy free kick in the final minute. <laughs> on Sunday, the Western Bulldogs take on Gold Coast at Marvel Stadium. Uh, this could be a tricky game for the Bulldogs if we just you know don't pay pl- proper attention to the Gold Coast. But you'd hope that uh, the Bulldogs win that one. I'm going to tip the Gold Coast. I reckon Libba has spent all week partying, and that's my yep. luck of the week. Gold Coast. Well, he's been on Media Street. There's no doubt about that, Charlie. So if Libba doesn't play well, questions will be asked about his week on Media Street. <laughs> the Hawks take on North Melbourne at the MCG on Sunday afternoon. Um, wounded Hawks looking to yep. exact some revenge, but then North, who haven't won a game this year, who actually were good for, for large parts of the game last week. I mean, it's got to. Oh, who do you, who do you say? Hawks. You're going to pick Hawks. The Hawks? I say. I'll pick Hawks. North, win this. I'll pick North Melbourne in that. I think they're they're going to be hungrier. And the last match over at Optus Stadium, Fremantle take on 
the rampaging Saints. Uh, did you see Paul Ruse potting Nat Fife on Monday night? No. What did he say? Doesn't pick up his man? Yes, exactly. He's not a two-way runner. How would... How would he even know who his man is? He doesn't even know half of his own players. <laughs> well, what Borus, I mean, Borus did qualify it by saying, look, this is a kind of player who's so good, you just kind of let him do whatever they want to yeah. do. He's so good at what he does well, then you don't necessarily need to have him run both ways. But he said... Do you know who... who you know, I remember a player who was much like that and obeyed those rules. His name was... Jesus? Paul Ruse. <laughs> <laughs> but he was saying that uh, he reckons... That is what coaches will be exploiting about uh, Nat Fife is you just run off him. You stick around him around the stoppages, but then you just get off him as quickly as you can because he won't chase. Yeah, well, why would he when he's getting 40 possessions going the other way? <laughs> I'm going to pick the Saints in that game. And I'm going to say Freo probably get it done at home. The you Ross Lyon Cup. Son of a bitch. Um, all right. Okay. Well, that was a short episode this week, but we, uh, like Will said, we're going to try and do maybe do a little bonus yeah. episode on the weekend. Maybe we'll get yeah, to some maybe more. Maybe we'll do a mailbag. Mailbag. Or maybe let's, um, let's uh, when we're in the same place, let's uh, bang through a bunch of the mail that we've got over the off season and stuff and, and catch up. Yeah. So if you want to send us a message, uh, go to our Facebook page and you can message us there and, and uh, we'll dig through it. Uh, send us maybe your nicknames yeah. or any questions you have. I'll, I'll take our prognostications for the season ahead. <laughs> It's the second time I've used that yeah. word this podcast. Um, all right. Play on, not 15. Ball. We are two guys.